Hello everyone, and welcome back to Squares the Cube, a multi-dimensional podcast where we discuss and ramble about Magic the Gathering Cube. My name is Jesse, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Ryan and Alex. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Happy Tuesday. I hear there's some rumblings of possibly snow in our weathery forecast in the Pacific Northwest. Oh my god, that's why I don't watch weather, but you have to ruin my day. <laughs> Somebody Alex, has to. Alex, how are you feeling? I'm doing great. It's been a it's been a great week, and I'm excited to talk some more cube. We've gotten to play some fun cube here over the last few days, and and now we get to talk about it, which is always exciting. Well, we do get to talk about it with someone who's a little bit of cube royalty, a second place finisher uh, at a very large cube tournament, CubeCon. We have Mike with us today, the uh, creator of the All Hell Yogmoth Cube, being featured at Washington Cube Champ soon. Mike, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem, of course. We're glad to have you. Today we're here to talk to him a little bit about the Cube's designs, inspirations, what to draft, what not to draft, and his beautiful beard, which, man, I can't. I wish we had video for these so you could see them. Um, but, but Mike, tell me, what got you into Magic? How did, how did the, the bearded goat of Cube start playing these cardboard cards? Uh, I started, I was... 12, 13 years old, um, a friend of mine had gotten a hold of some magic cards and we uh, kind of just had fun playing with them. And then between the two of us, we decided, you know, we want to do a little bit more. So we went to the prophecy release party at my local game store in Colorado and just started playing from there. So it was prophesized from the beginning. Love it. Something like that, yeah. We knew that he would be the one. Neo, Neo was prophesized. Started to believe. Very cool. Well, what was that uh, that local game store that you went to? Do you know what the name of the store was by chance? I don't remember. And it's not open anymore. The last time I was home uh, in Colorado eight months ago, um, it wasn't. it was no longer there it was a hobby shop it was like rc hobby or something like that but it is uh it's been closed down for apparently a while now well that's a bummer always a sadness when you know local game stores that we we like and enjoy or have memories from from kids aren't there anymore right yeah i gotta ask did you have to open any of the avatars by chance uh i did not i did not Ah. uh trying to think i think i opened the 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 card that I remember opening is the Ristic Tutor, the black tutor that is three mana that you can search unless an opponent pays one. Correct, correct. Three mana, right? Three mana. Three is a two and a black. Search your library for a card and put it in your hand unless an opponent pays one. Love it. Well, I I guess I that segues well into how do we move from casting very very bad demonic tutors to building one of the coolest cubes i've ever seen what got you into cube um the moto vintage cube uh got my little play group uh on board the submarine that i was stationed on into cube uh it's 2000 a little 2012 the the holiday vintage moto cube was on moto and um one of the guys in the group fell in love with it and built his own vintage cube. Uh, just went out and bought all the cards in 2012 and had a vintage cube and 
brought it on a deployment with him and we played it underway and um that was kind of the cube that i played at at the shop uh in in bremerton or in silverdale washington um until i moved to chehalis washington and then um the shop that i play at now nobody had a cube there so that was the first kind of foray into me saying okay well time to do one on my own so i designed and built my first cube there and uh since then i've built too many more and uh the uh the lord yagmoth cube is just my newest cube offering well, very cool. That's crazy to think about, like a vintage cube like that on deployment with somebody. I mean, pretty well protected when it went on on the trips with you guys, or like how how did that all play out? I'm curious to know before we go any further with uh, with our main subject of the night. I mean, it was relatively well protected. It was in a nice case or nice. Uh, I think it was in like a a a, a like a a poker chip case or something something like that that he kept it in. Uh, all the cards were double sleeved, um, and we only did it one or two times during each un- during each deployment. Um, it's hard to get seven guys together with four hours of time when you're on deployment, but I mean, we would we would make it happen when we could. But it was kept uh, kept locked away in a locker, and um, it was relatively well protected in a case. Wow, that's awesome! It's, Most important yeah. package on the submarine, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it's hard enough for us to get you know eight people together on a regular basis, like you were saying, yeah, to get everybody's time off on deployment to line up so you can do some cubing. That that had to have been a challenge. So. It's gotta be an incredible bonding experience, though, nonetheless. It was the the play group that was on my boat was a very 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 tight play group. Um, played a lot of commander together. Uh, we we did chaos drafting. We'd each bring three booster packs and do a chaos draft underway. I mean, it was. There's a ten of us, and we also all played at the same game store when we were in port. But we were a very, very, very tight knit group for the guys who did play. Awesome, awesome. Well, if I may, good sir, I've got a. Can you do a little bit of an introduction to your cube? I know the three of us had the opportunity to play it this week, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, and it was a phenomenal time. But can you give us a little bit of rundown before we jump into that? So the All Hail Lord Yogmoth cube is a Phyrexian cube. Uh, every card in the cube says Phyrexia somewhere on the card in some language. Uh, not all of the cards say Phyrexia in English. Some of them say Phyrexia in Phyrexian, except for one card, and that is Lord Yogmoth himself. Uh, Yogmoth, the card Yogmoth Thran Physician. Um, it is a weighted cube so uh it is weighted towards black in this cube so if you can imagine uh the torment maybe innistrad drafting environment a a larger portion of the cards in the cube are black uh compared to the other um it's about a three to two ratio of um of black to any singular color so there's a little bit heavier weighted and the black cards because the Phyrexian cards initially were only black until we got to a uh, new Phyrexia. Um, the, the card quality in black um, tends to be a little bit better as well. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I guess 
the question that comes to mind first, then you mentioned that this isn't your first foray. Seems like you've taken this quest upon yourself before to make a cube happen. Uh, what made this one happen? You just see Yogmoth Thran Physician and think he deserves a tribute or Um Well the 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 Phyrexian side of it just came out of uh came out of kind of nowhere. Um it was a dare, uh, a challenge from somebody at my shop um to build a weighted cube uh towards one color so i think that that person was trying to push me into drafting or into uh, designing and building a graveyard based maybe a spooky cube something like that where it's weighted towards a, a certain color and um uh i was just pouring over different cards and um I was noticing that there's a lot of mono black Phyrexians and it just kind of started there. Um, it, the original design was a completely creature cube. It, it, that didn't work in any way, shape or form. Um, but it was, yeah, it just came kind of off of a, off of a challenge from somebody in my shop to design a cube that was weighted towards a, a certain color. And slip fell, landed in Phyrexia. Love it. Yep, slipped, fell, landed straight in Phyrexia. Well, with that challenge, were you looking at other cubes that were kind of color-weighted cubes for any inspiration or um, as a reference point of, like, numbers for this list or anything? Because one of the cubes that comes to mind that for, to me, when it comes to color-weighted lists is I know that Andrew Mangucci's Vintage Cube is specifically blue-heavy because a lot of the players in his um, local playgroup love to draft blue cards in control, and so his his cube for a while there at least had about 30 to 40 more blue cards than than the rest of the colors, which it looks like is a similar situation to the number of black cards that are in the All Hail uh, Lord Yogmoth cube. Um, did you look at other cubes bef- that were weighted like that before designing this cube? I did. Um, a lot. Most of the cubes that I did look at tended to be Innistrad, Graveyard, Spooky-themed cubes. And uh, I used uh, Uber Bear's uh, Spooky Cube as kind of a s- rough numbers of how many of any any particular color that I needed in a uh, cube to to be able to um, make the draft format still draftable. Um, I also looked back at Torment. I looked back at Innistrad. Sets are weighted towards black as well and used uh, kind of used the numbers of cards in those sets in order to make it work. I gotta ask, do you have a method by which you track or how you color, do color pairs or archetypes in your cube? Or did you just kind of start out with a freestyle plan with that, like you said, starting with only a creature-themed Phyrexia cube? Depends. It depends on the cube. For this cube, it was uh, top-down, so it was, okay, Phyrexia, how do I make this work? Uh, other cubes that I've designed were, were themed for... Uh, for theme for different things. So uh, my tribal cube, it was a, I want to make tribes work. Okay, what two color pairings can I work for any particular tribe? Um, my Ravnica cube, which was at KubeCon, um, it was, I need to balance all the guilds out and make them all playable and even. My artifact cube was was designed to have, uh, to, to again, balance out between all the colors to get a good balance. 
Um, so it kind of depends whether it's a top down, whether I'm starting at a point of Phyrexia and weighted towards black and going from there, or if it is a, I guess I don't have a normal cube yet. I guess my artifact cube or my peasant cube would be the closest thing to being a, a, a regular cube, a non, a non super themed cube. Um, and those cubes were, I'm going to start with, okay, this is peasant. Okay, how do I make all the archetypes within this cube work? What archetypes could I use for different color pairings and, and, and things like that? For the Phyrexia cube, my card pool was very, very, very limited. So I had to um, just work with what I had, which was a lot less than you would normally have designing a cube. Yeah, no, that, that card pool definitely is small, which... The plus side is you don't have to cut back from 800 to get to 360. Downside is you might only be working with 500. Uh, but you've made it work. I really enjoyed my time with it. It was so much fun. But um, asking uh, about the construction now, we're getting into the nitty-gritty. And I'm curious, from your viewpoint, are there any specific archetypes or specific strategies players should kind of be looking out for or watching to table or taking early in your draft? Is there things you'd recommend they play? Um, well, there's obviously better cards in the cube. Um, a, a pack one, pick one, your Lord Yogmoth is not a bad way to go. Um, a pack one, pick one, um, Plague Engineer, also a very good, reasonable pack one, pick one. A lot of the better pack one, pick ones that I would say are in, are in the color black. Um, besides that, I would say, um, see what's open, see what's getting passed to you. There are very hard signals in the cube so i don't think that any one color pair is underrepresented or underpowered in the cube if you draft the deck correctly um but uh there are definitely there are definitely cards that are snap pack one pick ones um the seed core um the cube is lacking fixing there's not a lot of phyrexian fixing so the seed core tapping Essentially being a rainbow land for any archetype you want to get into is one of the better pack one pick ones. Um, some of the oh, yeah. some of the uh, artifacts as well, worm coil engine, batter skull, um, the, some of the living weapons are also very good pack one pick ones because they're colorless. It gives you time to see what's open uh, and read the table. Yeah, I did notice that killing those powerful artifacts was also something that was fairly limited so if you don't see a batter skull early maybe don't pass the few ways in the cube to blow up artifacts either uh, yes that was definitely yes. one of the first things i noticed oh dear um, lord there is also the really fun rage extractor deck um i haven't personally had the opportunity to draft pack one pick one rage extractor um, a buddy of mine drafting at my shop did. He packed one, picked one, Rage Extractor, took every card that had Phyrexian mana in it. He was he was a red black five color red black five color Rage Extractor deck. Um, three owed that draft pod. Three uh, owed six owed that draft pod uh, with Rage Extractor and the cards that have Phyrexian mana in their mana symbol. 
Well, I gotta speak to two things about the cube. Is first off, some things in the cards that I grew up with, like Phyrexian Plague Lord. Uh, Jesse, we, you, and I were reminiscing about Phyrexian Di- Delver. Was that it? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the five mana three two ETB reanimate creature. Yeah. Um, but real quick, I f- first picked a three color card, and I will definitely agree with you. Your fixing is um, it's definitely it, it's definitely forced to go to look for two colors, really. It is. I would not recommend drafting a three-color deck. I would draft, recommend drafting a two-color deck and potentially splashing a third color. Um, usually the, the, or a lot of the three-color cards in the cube are two colors and green. So being a green-black deck and splashing uh, for Volrath, the Commander Volrath card, uh, being green black or green white and splashing for the some of the commander cards from all will be one um getting that third color pip in there um those cards are very powerful but they do come at a cost definitely well interestingly enough i mean you've got both the atroxes in here too at four colors um do you have any advice to people who are looking to try to make like especially atroxa grand unifier that's a brand new card here from the last couple of years. It's been a really powerful inclusion in most vintage cubes. It seems like, honestly, if you if you were able to get it onto the battlefield, it could be completely cracked in this environment. Do you have any advice to players that are trying to build that four-color deck then with, with the lack of fixing um, for four colors versus just two with a splash? For the Atraxas, the best way to play that card in the cube is to cheat on Atraxa. So Phyrexian Delver to reanimate it, Birthing Pod to get it out of your deck, um, either of the either of the Atraxas are very good, um, but they have to be. You have to work to get them into play. Casting them, I've only seen the four or five mana, the five mana Atraxas, the original Atraxa cast one time, and that's because somebody hit their their splash colors. They were playing green. They had green fixing. Um, both the both the encha- the green enchantments and they had the um, green oil card that taps for one man of any color um, in the uh, in their key- or in their deck and on the battlefield when they were able to cast it. Um, I would say reanimating or birthing potting them out are, are is probably the best way to um, get those creatures into play. So similar to the Vintage Cube, then, we're looking for ways to kind of, not necessarily cheat per se, but but to alternatively cast or alternatively get them into the game. That that makes a lot of sense. Yes, yes. The, in the Vintage Cube, I, I I don't think I've ever cast the seven, the Attacks no. of Grand <laughs> Unifier. I don't sure. think I've ever cast it one time. I've show and tell, sneak and showed, reanimated that card into play but i don't think i've ever cast it it's a very good card but it's very difficult to cast even with good fixing yeah i was gonna say outside of something like a fast bond with like lots of lots of mana fixing or something i could definitely you're you're gonna be cheating it in like you said any of the above flash something just to take a you know advantage of the etb ability for sure so well we we, we talked about archetypes a little bit earlier as well i know in your overview you kind of have each of the color pairs doing something specific in this cube do you want to talk about any of those in particular or kind of like run listeners through what you were trying to do with each of the color pairs when you were designing the cube i i tried to give them each color pair the most identity that i could give it outside of or within the building constraints of being phyrexian 
Sure. Um, green lights, green Phyrexians like to add poison counters, whether they're toxic or whether they're infect. And in some of the, in some of the decks, in, in a green white toxic deck, cards with infect are still good, um, even though infect tends to be weighted a little bit more towards green black. You have the infect lord, but the um, the swarm lord where. Uh, one one green, uh, the Phyrexian Swarm Lord, where you get one one green, um, insect tokens with, uh, with infect, uh, is good in in both of those, in both in the toxic deck in the in the blue green proliferate deck. I mean, it's good in all the green decks. It's just a good card in the cube because all the green decks are trying to poison you, poison you. In one way or another, except really for the oil count, the red green oil counters deck. The same thing with the black cards. I mean, the Phyrexian Lord is good in all the cards, all the decks that play black. It's a two mana Lord for Phyrexians. It's good in the black green infect deck. It's good in the black blue uh, proliferate deck. It's good wherever you put it because it is just in- inherently a good card in the cube. Well, speaking of good cards in the cube, you were talking about before we started recording that some of the things the players should be looking towards is the um, copies of the Praetors that are in the list, because I believe you run um, all five and, and all three versions of each Praetor. Is that correct? Yes, all all Praetors, um, all of the Chancellors are in the cube. Anything that has a, anything that has a color or has a... Um, has a cycle of all five are in the cube. The um, the one mana artifacts that uh, the skull bombs, all five of them are in the cube. All five of the shrines are in the cube. The uh, dominuses, all five of the dominuses are in the cube. All five of the defilers are in the cube. So if it is a if it is a cycle of five, all of them are in the cube for all the colors. Love it. No, I think uh, I'm one of the people with hot takes about those Praetors. I've always thought Irabras the Hidden was one of the strongest ones ever printed in Heads Up Magic, and that is not a popular take. The Phyrexian Cube kind of subverts what you would think would be the best of of any of the Praetors um, in traditional cubes or traditional gameplay. Um, if I were to have all three of the Shieldreds in my opening pack, I would pick the five mana card Shieldred that enters the battlefield and destroys a creature, or has your enters the battlefield and has a your opponent sacrifice a creature and then flips. Um, I think it's better than Shieldred the Apocalypse, and I think it's better than Shieldred Whispering One in my cube, which is kind of contrary to contrary to normal Magic play or conventional Magic knowledge where. Shieldred the Apocalypse is the best Shieldred printed. I don't think it is that way in my cube um, because the loss of life just doesn't affect some of your opponents um, and you gaining life just doesn't affect you if you're getting poisoned. If the blue-green deck is sitting there and proliferating poison cares on you, your life total doesn't matter when you have that card in play. Not um, to mention the loss of draw sevens in your cube, right? That makes Apocalypse just... Much less imposing. Yes, um, the same thing with the Vorinclexes. The the five mana flip Vorinclex um, isn't traditionally the best Vorinclex that's out there. Um, usually, people see Monstrous Raider or um, 
the original Vorinclex as the better of the Vorinclexes, and in this cube, the amount of value that that card produces makes that card much better than the other two Vorinclexes. Um, so it's not it. It's not quite traditional magic. Not quite traditional card card identification that works yeah. best for the cube. Yeah, it's like uh, kind of like mutagenic growth to me, where like that card reads as though it's a pretty middling spell until you combine it with infect, and uh, all of a sudden it is extremely, extremely powerful. Uh, that's kind of what I think is happening here, where like these these cards are kind of warped in their value because of what infect and toxic do to the gameplay. Well, going back to Shieldred, the the five costing one, um, I was fortunate enough to have that in my draft last night, and I can definitely speak to its its power. Um, putting a big body onto the battlefield and also getting the two-for-one advantage by taking something off of your opponent's side um, was definitely critical for me in multiple games. Um, another card that's very unassuming that is just, you know, a good card back from uh, the you know limited days back when this was in New Phyrexia, uh, Skin Render also did quite a bit of work for me, just being able to come in as a 3-3 body for four that took out another creature with, you know, three minus one counters or made something weaker. Um, I used that several times to great effect last night, and just anything that's a two-for-one body in this in this format definitely seems like it's something the player should gravitate towards that they're looking to, um, you know, gather win, win percentage for certain. I'm so jealous you had that Skin Render. I wanted it so badly. I gotta ask, Alex, did you ever flip the other split the other side of Sheldred? You know, I didn't get a chance to do that, no. Um definitely I think there was probably about one opportunity that I had, but I was already so far ahead in the driver's seat at that point that I don't think it was necessary to win the game. But but again, just just being a four or five menace body that, that took something out. I mean, I, I know the backside is good as well because it continues to make them sacrifice things and I believe discard cards as well. Um but it just yeah, having a four or five with menace that killed the creature for five was was very strong. Um, it seems it seems to be that the decks that do the best in the cube are either um, the decks that read the pod very well and drafted their colors very 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 well. Um, if you get the if you get the perfect red white or red green oil counters deck, it, it is very very good. Um, if you're fighting over those cards, the, the deck gets a little bit less good. And then the decks that have the the val the value cards in them, um, and it's not necessarily black or green or blue or the 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 five mana Urbras from New Capenna that um, impulse draws you an extra card every turn and only allows your opponent to impulse draw on their turn. Um, it's a five mana, and it will generate lots and lots of value until you bury your opponent in value. Um, I think that it's the best Urbrassing in the cube just for that reason. The, the value cards tend to do a lot better in the cube if you didn't draft your archetype perfectly when, while you were drafting. I could actually kind of speak to that as well, because I played against that card. Uh, Patrick was, was fortunate enough to draft that last night, um, and he definitely made me uh work for getting round one off of him with that card um he unfortunately stumbled on some some mislands in the first game and uh, a couple of misplays in the second but just yeah i mean that card alone was g gaining him so much card advantage that he was almost to make a make almost made up both of those deficits in both games with that card alone um so that is definitely something that players should be looking out for as a way to to get a lot of advantage and win the game i can testify to that as well Ouch. That means he had 
Wolf the Hidden and the Heretic Crater because he killed me with the the Hidden. He did. Yep, he had both of them. He was definitely, I think he was the only red greed drafter uh, of the 10 of us last night, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, so he he definitely had that lane pretty locked up um, with his deck. Um, Jesse, do you want to talk about kind of what you drafted when we when we were fortunate enough to draft this cube last night? Uh, what 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 your deck was doing and some of the experiences you had while drafting this cube? I was definitely the oddball. Um, not so much in that I drafted weird colors because I, I leaned into the the black leaning in the cube pretty heavily and just played black. However, my first few picks uh, after my first pick, which was a five mana blue card that wanted me to play non creature spells, it was a creature spells matter. That's what I thought I was going to do. And then the next like four picks were just like vintage playable cards. Um, I picked up like an early you know Phyrexian Delver, which has been in and out of vintage cubes for years. Uh, Worm Coil Engine. Um, and I was like, wait, I'm going to slip and like kind of stumble into just straight up vintage reanimator. And I ended up drafting a deck that did not use proliferate, infect, toxic, or any of the other key mechanics in the cube and just played high value black death triggers and uh, ETBs and recurred them with um, a few different reanimation cards in my, in my list. I had the three mana geth that could reanimate for three mana. I had. Um, there's a four mana creature in the cube that I don't remember the name of, but when he attacks, you can pay four mana to return a card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, had the Frexian Delver. Uh, had one sorcerer that you reanimated, so I, I ended up just playing a, a more traditional reanimate list. Just um, some success. Had some issues with time, but the, the deck was playing great. And got handed a birthing pod in pack three and realized I accidentally drafted a curve for it. So I got to play this reanimating birthing pod list well very cool uh mike do you have an archetype or a color pair that you enjoy drafting out of this cube more than the others um uh, being that yeah my, my favorite is is probably the black white uh phyrexian tribal deck um uh the the tribal cards tend to play pretty well with what white is doing making might tokens uh, Brimaz, Terror, or uh, uh, the the Black White Brimaz, um, Blight of Arescos, um, and uh, the the Mono White Mono Mono White Five Drop es- es- Essence of Orthodoxy play very well when you're playing a lot of Phyrexians. There's a Black White Phyrex. There's a Black White and en- the Black White Phyrexian Enchantment that is a Lord Enchantment is very good as well. Um, there's not a ton of artifact and enchantment removal in the cube. There is some, and it, it needs to be drafted heavily, or it needs to be it, it should be a higher pick than what people normally pick it as. Um, so just having a four mana a four mana Phyrexian Lord um, that stays on the battlefield is, is very good. So that's probably my favorite deck to draft is the white black tribal deck i also like the green the green black value strategy it doesn't have to be green black infect just the green black um value um cards like breach the multiverse the shieldred just green black two for ones is also a very very strong archetype um to draft in the cube and has done very well Value slash rock style, right? Yeah, like a green black rock deck. Yeah. 
Yep, that was the archetype that I drafted last night. Um, with that, I know it's come up a couple times here. Is that just you were saying there's a shortage of cards that can deal with artifacts and enchantments? One card to look out for is a relatively new addition from uh, Phyrexian All Will Be One is um, Canker Bloom, which actually I run in my vintage cube as well because I think it's kind of a secret little gem of it's a three two body for two, one at a green. Um, and it has the ability that you can pay one and sacrifice it to destroy an artifact, to destroy an enchantment, or to proliferate. Um, all of which obviously can be great in what the green black deck is trying to do. Um, even especially if you're trying to win via infect or poison counters, um, you know, the proliferate to finish off the game or just the ability to destroy something. I, I was able to catch multiple opponents off guard last night when suddenly out of the blue, I had this creature that was beating them down and then was able to take it to great effect to, um, remove either a large body that they had or, or an artifact and enchantment, um, that you know they didn't think that could be dealt with, and I, I think Jesse, even last night we were we were talking at the store, and you were saying that you felt like artifacts and enchantments almost felt like planeswalkers back in the day before we had answers to planeswalkers in the way that they were kind of um, unanswerable in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I had a single artifact blue destroyed in any of my games. Um, I had no way to interact with them in my deck, uh, short of them being creatures, of course. Um, but if they were just standalone artifacts or enchantments. In my games, they were effectively emblems, um, which, you know, at the end of the day, they're still Phyrexian artifacts and enchantments, which, as you mentioned, the card pool's smaller, so there's not a lot of, like, insane things that are just, like, Bitter Blossom quality killing you. Thankfully, the Phyrexian Bitter Blossom is attached to a very small body in this cube, but um, they still build a lot of value over the game because they just don't leave the battlefield very often. I had that experience, too, when I was drafting, or a similar experience to Jesse's, where I first picked a three-color mythic that was phenomenal. Uh, I apologize. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, Mike. Um, it gets plus one, plus one, based on poison counters. Uh, Vishgrass Vish the Doomhive, I believe, is the one that you first picked. I second picked a lovely Contagion engine, which is a, I felt like a very great limited bomb, and I was so lucky to be past a Yawgmoth uh, uh, in the third pick, which leads me into my next question. Do you have any awesome combos that uh, I might have picked up but had no opportunity to do last night that you would like to talk about? Nobody's done it yet, and it's made me sad, but there is one card in the cube that doesn't say Phyrexia on it. Um... It's not uh, Yogmoth uh, Thran Physician, um, but it is possible to turn Yogmoth Thran Physician into a Phyrexian in the cube with uh, the card Breach the Multiverse. Nobody's done it yet in the in the multitude of drafts that I've done. Um, I would say that it is the hidden gem, the hidden quest of my cube is to turn Yogmoth into a Phyrexian um, by casting. Uh, and uh, breach the multiverse and getting Yogmoth either out of your deck or out of your opponent's deck and making him a Phyrexian. Um, nobody's been able to do it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, winning with Maze's End and my Ravnica cube. It hasn't happened yet. I'm just, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the day that somebody's able to pull that off. The biggest flavor win. I had though. I was just unable to get them together. <laughs> well, very cool. Last night, I don't remember a game or seeing a game where somebody lost specifically to poison. Um, did that happen with anybody's games, or did we witness anybody losing specifically to to infect or poison last night uh, with our with our Templar draft? I definitely did. 
Yes. Oh, you did? Uh, I okay. definitely witnessed it multiple times in variations of games. Interesting. Do you know uh, who, who was taking out who last night when you saw that? So Jace was on the poison deck for sure. I had a splash of poison, but I also believe that there was um, somebody else who was on it as well. Uh, well, Jordan was playing Sean in the third round, so Sean did have a little bit of poison stuff going on. Um, he was actually my one loss last night, and he, he did beat me uh, via damage instead of poison in, in both the games that he took. Um, but you, yeah, did he get he got Jordan in a game with poison counters then that you saw? I thought he did, or maybe it was a different opponent. I know, I okay. so I got Jace with Poison. Jace got me one game with Poison. Um, and I think Jace had the primary, prim, uh, most of the Poison cards in his deck. Okay. Um, the, the person that drafted the white-black um, deck last night um, had a yeah, couple games. Yeah, Jordan. He had a couple game wins with Poison. Okay, he of, did. Off of White Sun's Twilight. He cast White Sun's Twilight for like oh, eight. And one off okay. of that, uh, at least twice that I saw. Okay. So is that the pretty standard experience then, Mike, as far as the, you know, how often players are winning um, via poison counters versus, you know, taking their opponent off 20 life is kind of seem like one in five or maybe then or, or two in five matches around were kind of one via poison versus actual damage? Um. So last night was the first time that the that cube has been drafted with 10 people. Um, okay. In the eight man pods that I've seen, it's closer to fifty fifty. Um, there's oh, really? a lot. There's okay. a lot more condensing of toxic and uh, poison, and it, it, so when it's drafted with 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 eight man, I see a lot more infect wins than the, I think the infect card and toxic cards were spread out a little bit more in a ten man pod than they would have been in a in an eight man pod. That makes some sense. That, that, that makes some sense. My experience has definitely led, kind of linked up with what Alex was saying. I, I didn't have a single game where I'd lost to infect, and I didn't have any infect creatures, which you know definitely probably could be owed to the the desaturation across ten players. Uh, my opponents, two of them did infect me, but they ended up like having a lot of cards that were infect and a lot of cards that weren't. So they were kind of like attacking me from both angles, but they always either got there via life or lost, uh, never actually died to infect. So it was definitely like they could have used a, just a couple more infect cards in their list, and I would have been happy, you know, to maybe be able to partake of the strategy of the cube. But yeah, the eight eight man versus ten man is a very real discussion to be had about balancing infect in the cube. I definitely like seeing the the. It seemed like with ten man a ten man pod, the archetypes were a little bit less condensed with an eight man with an eight man pod the arch the archetypes right two of them just aren't drafted the the best you can hope for is eight out of ten being drafted in an, an eight man pod so uh, i didn't see a single player last night playing blue green uh uh poison proliferate uh the the blue green proliferate deck um which surprised me and um the black green infect deck seem to be split up between a couple of players instead of one person really diving deep into it. Um, there were a couple victories off of Triumph of the Horde, though. I did see that card infect people out a couple of times. It is a very powerful magic card, and uh, I'm realizing now that even in your cube introduction, uh, we're talking about all these creature types. I don't think we discussed the the major rule in your cube, unless, correct me if you mentioned it, but all creatures in your cube have been errated to be Phyrexians? 
Yes, every single creature in the cube is errated to Phyrexians. Um, anything that, with one exception, and that is the White Defiler, uh, all the creature tokens that are produced are also Phyrexians. Um, the Splicers have all been errated to be Phyrexians and to produce Phyrexian golems. Um, the Red Chancellor makes a 1-1 uh, red um, goblin, Phyrexian goblin. Um, the white shrine, the shrine of um, loyal allegiance. Yeah, shrine of loyal allegiance makes Phyrexian mirrors. So um, a lot of the cards have been errated. If it's all possible, I've gotten the proper errata into the cube. But there are some cards that um, have been errated, but not have that have not seen a reprint. So um, they are not uh, in the cube. They are not. Um, Labeled as Phyrexian on the card, but the cards themselves have all been errated to say Phyrexian. Right. Yeah, I figured that was worth mentioning because I was pulling up your cube code while I was sitting here talking about it and realized I didn't say it in your overview either. So all you Washington Cube Champs people as we're practicing moving into uh, next month's tournament, make sure you're remembering that everything's, everything in there is a Phyrexian. that makes the tribal deck look a little different when all these cards that don't say Phyrexian on them suddenly do. Um, it's definitely definitely something that changed the draft a little bit. Well, speaking of typo stuff like that, then I know that one of the cards that Mike you said you wanted to talk about was Plague Engineer uh, before we started recording here. Um, was there a specific reason why you wanted to bring that up, other than just it? You know, obviously everything's a Phyrexian, so we can you know make all of your opponent stuff one one less, or or are there other reasons to talk about that card? Uh, the the that is probably the best card in the cube. It would be an argument between that card and the seed core as being the best two cards in the cube, and I just think, and 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 potentially the uh, Phyrexian Lord, the two mana Phyrexian Lord. Um, but Plague Engineer is a is a devastating card. It is one of the best cards in the cube because it is a one sided uh, shrink of all your opponent's creatures. So it does it does hurt to play against that card. Very board-heavy format, for sure. It's definitely about board presence and board control, and it, it warps combat in the favor of the person controlling it by a very large margin. It does, it does. Missing land drops and getting out tempo to also play a huge part in this cube, I thought, as well. Yep. Yeah, this is definitely a cube where I wouldn't be surprised if I want to run 18 lands in my deck, just because getting to some of those bigger haymakers later in the game um, seems like it's a pretty powerful way to, to win a game. Um, Obviously, that's dependent on color pair, but with a lot of the Praetors being between five and seven, you know, I feel like a lot of the times when those are coming down, unless, you know, like you were saying, you lose to a quicker Infect deck that's also proliferating um, or something more aggressive, those those bigger Haymakers later in the game are a great way to close stuff out. They, they definitely are. I would say that a 16-land deck is, is a very hard deck to do. You're probably in red. Um being a little bit more aggressive, maybe red white or red blue, drawing some drawing some more cards, getting some better card collection or card selection. Um, but I would say seventeen is a minimum and eighteen is a very heavy possibility for a lot of decks just so you hit everything on curve. Um, you can get there are decks in the cube um, that can be uh, extremely um, extremely quick um at putting in especially infect counters on you there's multiple one drops uh in all the colors that are in in multiple colors that put that just start putting infect counters on you very very quickly um 
So you can get mi missing missing land drops um, can be a lot more punishing uh, in the Phyrexian cube than in other cubes because you want to you want to do two you want to definitely go two three four five uh, on curve and missing a four or a five on curve can can hurt quite a bit. Jesse and Ryan, were there some other key or cards that you guys had in your deck last night that you think are worthy of talking about? Because I know I've got two in particular that that played. A pretty good role for me that I'd like to talk about, but you know, did you guys have anything specifically from your decks that that were definitely standout cards that that should get mentions here as we're talking about our experience from the the draft last night? Uh, for me, it was an artifact actually, and I think partially because removing them is so hard, and the Praetors play such a big role. Uh, you'll have to help me with the name, Mike, but it's a three mana artifact that lets you tutor up uh, tutor up lands, and for ten mana, you can put a Praetor into play. Oh, the uh, Realm of the World Breaker. Yes, this card, I wasn't even playing a Praetor, and it was still the MVP in my list. Um, it was a mill win con against my opponent if they didn't win quick enough. It was a way to ramp. It was a way to fix mana, because, like, again, so many people were playing black. So even if I did happen to see my splash lands, you know, you get unlucky and see all your splash lands in the opening turns. I was still fixing off my opponent's deck when I had that card. It just sat there and built value, and... I wish I'd had a Praetor to sneak into play with it, but I did not. Um, that card is very, very high on my watch list when I'm drafting this cube going forward. Um, yes, cards that cards that ramp and fix are very good. Um, the um, Bitterhorn. Yeah, I had that too. Bitterhorn Nissus Animus is also a very good card. It it allows you to go. Um, it allows you to 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 be able to fix. It almost feels like a green card when you're playing it because it it, it comes in on three. It gets equipped to a body, and at a bare minimum, you can attack with it to go get you know, attack with it one time to go get your splash color. Um, if you are splashing, uh, go get your splash color uh, basic land and uh, go from you know turn three play that turn four go get a land turn five cast a super impactful six drop like a like a uh shieldred or well, i guess shieldred's a five drop like a born clax or a worm coil engine um yeah. that was my exact experience right there that was it you summed it up six that that card is 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 a very good fixer in the cube um a lot of the a lot of the f uh multicolored cards um uh are five or greater um, so you are able to, at, at a bare minimum, cast those cards on curve on turn five, and they are very, 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 very impactful. Ryan, how about yourself? Did you have anything specifically from from your list last night that that you wanted to talk about? Not necessarily for my list. I think it was more a uh, question to Mike, if I may. Um, I'd be curious on high, how high wrath effects like Deluge, uh, White Sun's Twilight, and things of that nature get picked. Because I almost feel like after having this experience drafting your cube, that those would be some of the better picks to start off with. Um, but I wanted to get your opinion on that, if I may. I think that they are very good cards. They allow those, both of those two allow you to come back from a depth a deficit they are not as well, toxic deluge is probably a little bit worse than the white sun's twilight because the white sun's twilight gives you board presence after you or during the casting of it but if you are trying to grind a game out and there's a toxic deluge in your hands you can try to play 
try to play a little bit behind your opponent and and have that card um, be impactful on the board. But if you're grinding a game out and you have Toxic Deluge in your hand, um, it can be a, it can be a, it can be a dead card. Um, I would say White Sun White Sun's Twilight is probably better than Toxic Deluge um, because board presence is very important uh, in the cube. Well, speaking of board presence, that actually is a perfect segue to bring me to a card that I wanted to talk about. Um, I was fortunate enough to have Blight Titan in my deck last night, uh, which was a card that came out from the March of the Machine Commander sets. Uh, it's pretty much like the Grave Titan of Phyrexia. It's four and two black um, for a death-touching 6-6 six, six that reads, whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you get to mill two cards and then incubate X, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Um, I had multiple games last night where that thing would come down, you know, on, on turn five or six and a couple of creatures had been put into my graveyard. I would mill a couple of more. And so by the time I cast this thing and then waited a turn cycle and swung with this thing um, for, for 10 mana, I easily had like, you know, 16, 18 power on the board between a, a Blight Titan and two incubation tokens that I had flipped. It was it was just absolute carnage and, and, and power value. So this is definitely a card I would tell people to look out for just because, you know, Rectangle Theory from Lords of Limited uh, making multiple cards off of one card especially with that much power was was pretty bonkers for me last night the other card i wanted to talk about too was was nissa ascended animist which is also a very powerful yeah. card even in vintage cube being that it has the phyrexian mana symbols making it very flexible of when you can cast it even coming dirt on down on turn say five and losing four life to start producing four fours right away um was very good for me and again is another one of those cards that that secretly has destroy target artifact or enchantment written on it uh card card did a lot of work for me last night and was just very awesome where i could play it on five i could play it on six or i could play it on seven and definitely helped me to close out several games last night so it would be something i would be looking for drafting this cube a second time as well wow no that, that card i didn't even know that card existed uh this is the first time seeing of it and i could 100 percent see this being in a vintage cube in place of someone's grave titan and would not be blown away this card is extremely strong yeah, it de it definitely feels like those two cards are just slightly worse versions of the cards that they're modeled after. I mean, Nissa Nissa with the artifact in enchantment removal is very very good. Um, but it and making bodies is obviously really good. But I mean, it's it's win condition. It's 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 less good crater hoof. But that's not trying to speak poorly of the card. I mean, crater hoof is a house and a, a vintage cube staple. Um, same thing with uh, Blight Titan, right? It's it feels like it's not quite as good as Grave Titan, but that's it's comparing it to a very good card, which is Grave Titan. Right. It's kind of like when Mom says we have that at home, and it's it's Grave Titan at home. But I mean, in in this format, it definitely can pull its weight. That is definitely for certain. Like in a, a world where like you're building something where graveyard matters, I'd rather play Blight Titan. It it has got its own little niche. Yeah, especially in anything that's like a self-mill strategy, if you were, I'm sorry to go off topic here just a little bit, something with like a brain freeze in Vintage Cube, or you're self-milling yourself on some level as well to get stuff in the graveyard, I, I could definitely see this thing putting in some work in, in different, you know, cube formats as well. Yeah, I like it a lot. Well, that being said, uh, I think we've reached a point where we've kind of given everyone a primer on what the cube is and what they should be looking for going into the reason we're here tonight, which is that Mike was lucky enough to get this excellent cube voted for by the community, and it will be featured at the Washington Cube Champs uh, early next month. 
we're getting closer and closer. Um, and moving into that, Mike, what are your expectations for the event? Are you are you mostly excited to get this cube tested, or are you showing up more to take another top three finish? How are you feeling moving into it? I am definitely well. I'm I'm hoping that the Washington State Cube Champion has the CubeCon vibe. Um, CubeCon, if 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 you haven't had the opportunity to go to CubeCon, I would highly recommend it. Um, I've played Magic for 20, 24, 25 years, uh, pretty consistently. I've done GPs, I've done Magic Fests, I've done Star City Games, the whole nine yards, and CubeCon was hands down, uh, not even close, the best Magic experience that I've had. Uh, my time playing Magic, it was an absolute blast. Um, I'm hoping that the Washington State Cube Champion Cube Championship starts off this year, has a good KubeCon vibe, and it grows to uh, grows to the point where KubeCon is at because it is uh, having that opportunity a little bit closer to home instead of having to travel all the way to Wisconsin would definitely be great for the Cube community if we can grow that the Cube. Washington State Cube Championship to 100, 200, 400 people playing in it would be absolutely amazing. Um, that being said, uh, I'm coming to watch the, the Washington State CubeCon Championship for blood. Um, I definitely am out to, to do well in the event. Um, I want to follow up how well I did at KubeCon and hopefully take home a trophy. Love the energy. Yeah, I think uh, there's been a little divisiveness about what people's goals are moving into it, and I'm kind of glad to hear that there are more people there showing up to win. Uh, I want to have a lot of fun, obviously, and want to meet everyone and see all these awesome cubes, but there's definitely a competitive side of me that want to wants to take down 3-0s in the pods, so I uh, look forward to seeing you. And final question for you, good sir. Have you had the opportunity to draft any of the other cube lists before? Uh, yes, I dropped, uh, drafted Aqua's Cube, uh, Vintage Cube, uh, a couple of times. KubeCon, um, it is an absolute blast. That is, Aqua's uh, Vintage Cube is becoming a staple in the cube community for, for how a Vintage Cube should be done. Um, it's an absolute blast. Uh, it is a very, very, very good cube. And I definitely want the opportunity to draft it at least once at the Washington State KubeCon Championships because it is one of the one of the better cubes that I've ever drafted. Interesting. I'm curious because I haven't actually looked at it much only because I've heard so much that it is the standard, you know, degenerate vintage cube, which I love those, but I'm also very familiar. Is there anything about Aqua One's cube that's like unique or stands out from a vintage cube or... Is it pretty stock standard? Is there something you'd tell me to watch for? I would say that it the level of degeneracy in Aquas Cube is a little bit higher than the current Moto Vintage Cube or a lot of Vintage Cubes that I've, I've seen. Uh, he definitely dials it to 11 on the power level. It is not a cube. It is a cube where multiple mul a multitude of the matches are done um, within 10 minutes. Like... You can you can definitely jam that cube and draft it three times at an F and M with eight people and be completely fine. You know, do, do jam three draft two or three drafts in six or seven hours and not have any issues doing it because the rounds go by very quickly because people win on turn one and turn two often enough that the the rounds go by in a flash. I don't think I've ever seen a round go to time with that cube. 
It sounds like I want to position it right in the middle of my day. That way I have some short rounds to grab some lunch. <laughs> Depending on the deck, right? <laughs> well, very cool. Well, Mike, first we want to say thank you so much. Uh, you were very kind to bring your cube down to our Monday night meetup at Wayward um, last night, which I know a lot of players had an absolute blast getting to draft that cube. Um, I think seven of the 10 players who did draft it um, are going to have the, are heading up to Washington cube champs here in a few weeks. And so that was some great practice for them, help some of the players feel a little bit more comfortable moving forward. Um, and we also appreciate you coming on the show tonight. So, so thank you so much for, for lending us uh, your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was an abs- uh, absolute blast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. We will definitely have you back in the future. I know you've got some other cubes that we would like to discuss and some other thoughts on cube design. And um, this is just great practice for, for getting to have the guests come back here in the, the future and talk some more cube. Definitely. Before we uh, start to move to kind of some of our closing stuff, I did want to say a couple of quick things real fast. Uh, the first is we had a big thank you um, for the UberCube podcast, who did a very nice shout out uh, about us in their most recent episode where they were talking all about the initiative mechanic. Uh, they were building off a little bit about what we were talking about in our Minsk and Boo episode a few weeks back, um, and, and they very kindly gave us a shout out and and told, you know, fine folks to come out over here to our podcast and find us as well. So again, just wanted to say thank you. We're, we're very appreciative to all of the Cube community that's been helping to to share our podcast, to to just kind of help us to find our, our footing here as we're, we're getting our feet in the door and making these episodes. Um, just very, very kind of them to do so. Uh, I also wanted to to help Anthony out with that a little bit. Uh, UberCube is working on an event um, down in North Carolina on April 27th. They are working on developing their own version of a Washington Cube Champs. Um, it's going to be a 64-player event with eight cubes, um, a top eight power cube, um, prizes. Uh, all the information for that can be found over with the UberCube podcast, as well as um, multiple places on the different cube Facebook groups. I know Anthony has been trying to spread the word about that far and wide. Um, so if anybody is who's listening is down in that area and is interested, April 27th, that event is coming up here in a few months. Um, I will also try to link that information in the uh, notes section of this episode as well, but wanted to give the shout out that just there are more and more of these kind of events popping up and it's great to see that they're happening and that people are putting so much effort and energy into um, trying to help grow the cube community. Like I said, that's always a big, big thing for me. And so it's just want to make sure that we help support that whenever, whatever possible. Yeah. Thanks, Uber. Uh, well, listeners fellow magic players i think that's going to be it for us today uh thank you for joining us for this discussion if you want to reach out to us you can reach out to us at our email at squares that cube at gmail.com or find us over on the pacific northwest pnw cube drafts facebook page uh we're very active there and we'd be happy to hear critiques uh suggestions topic recommendations uh or if you just want to call us out for being wrong because i'm sure one of us airheads said something that was completely inaccurate except for mike he's brilliant um so reach out we'll we'll interact and as always you know we thank you look forward to seeing you next week and my three friends good night bye everybody happy tuesday have a great night night everyone <laughs>